Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. Childhood sexual abuse is not something that only happens to girls. Boys are victims, too. And most of these boys, they grow up to be men who find it terribly difficult to talk about these experiences. In today's episode, our guest is Dr. James Reeves, founding pastor of City on a Hill Church in Fort Worth, Texas, and the creator of the Fearless series for women and men. Dr. Reeves shares how he got involved in helping abuse victims and why the church needs to be a safe place for such victims to heal and belong. The Fearless series for men addresses childhood sexual, physical, and emotional abuse that men have experienced and the hope possible for not just surviving trauma, but finding true healing and fulfillment through the gospel of Jesus Christ. To learn more about Dr. Reeves and the Fearless series, visit fearlessresources.org. For even more resources, visit BeBroken.org or check out links in today's show notes. And as always, please rate and review the podcast after listening to help others find it. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken, and we exist to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. All right, let's be fearless as we dive into today's conversation with Dr. Reeves. Well, all right, James Reeves, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much. Been looking forward to it. Yeah, you know, I was just looking and realizing that it's, it was about two years ago. So it was 2021 wow. that we had you on before uh, to talk about um, uh, the series that you had done for women, Fearless. Mm-hmm. And it was around dealing with the sexual abuse that women have faced and how to, how to heal from that. And, um, you know, I remember after that, there was just, it was amazing to see the response to that and uh, so many just women that have been able to receive help and hope in that. And then I remember uh, seeing a, another little thing pop on the radar with you. Uh, you reached out to me and you told me about this new project that you were working mm-hmm. on um, and <clears throat> it was for men. And so can you give us a little bit of the the backstory of first how you even got into doing what you did with the Fearless series for women, and then now right. doing a similar kind of project and series for men. Yeah, when the Fearless series for women was finally completed, uh, and we got the website up, and churches were beginning to use this, uh, you know, I was just working night and day. My wife and I both were to get the word out, you know, to get through the doors and and get churches to begin to do this. And it wasn't but about six months into the women series. When a lot of the women that were going through this in their churches, their husbands were asking the question, uh, has he done anything for guys? Mm. So I started hearing that and I went, oh, no, you've got to be kidding me. You know, I'm, I'm still trying to recuperate from the challenge of, you know, completing the women's project. Because when I went into this, I had no idea about filming and, you know, how to do something like this. I just knew the subject pretty well and knew the people I wanted to interview. Thankfully, I hired a very professional production company that did an incredible job. But after that, I thought, I don't think I have the energy to do something like that again, because now I'm not going in naive. Now I know what I'm, you know, buying into. But the people just kept saying it, saying it. And I said, OK, I'm just going to do it. So I talked to uh, Michael of Turtle Moon Films, who's a member of my church, one of the elders in our church, and he's a has a pr- production company. I said, Michael, are you ready to do it again? <laughs> he said, let's go. So we took off and uh, man, it just came together. Uh, it was just amazing. In fact, what happened is as we kind of took that step of faith, because I didn't even have the money 
when we started off. I had a $50,000 budget for the women's series and I, I didn't have any money to, to finish this thing out. But as we kind of took that step out, I got a call one day uh, from Max Ucato. Um, I have a couple of friends that are mutual friends of Max's and they were telling him about the women's series and that I was now doing one for men. And Max is a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. And uh, he's just recently started talking about that. And he had always never really told the whole story. Uh, but he called me one day and we talked for about 30 minutes. And I said, Max, would you be willing to get on camera and be a part of this? And he said, he said, yes, I would. And, uh, I, you know, I just told him, I said, I, I don't know that you really understand how impactful that is going to be for Christian men to see Max Lucado who's had an experience at the age of 12 of being molested by a, a man and that you're willing to be transparent and open and without shame and tell that story. And look what God has done with Max Lucado's life. That's going to give so many men hope who feel because things that have happened to them, that they're always going to be second place in the kingdom, that they're not ever going to really be able to be someone that God's going to really be able to use or, or whatever it is that goes, the lies that go through our minds. But to see Max tell that story uh, is going to be so powerful. And it has been. Uh, we haven't uh, released it completely yet, but I've been giving it to people, men around to watch it and say, what do you think about this? And it's when Max tells that story, it's kind of like a mic drop moment. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and when you when uh, when this podcast does release, uh, you you will have this all completed because you told me off yes. air that you jump off of your house if it wasn't all done by, <laughs> by the time this, this airs. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so let's back up a little bit, and why don't you just just say uh, what this fearless series for men is, and and really who is who is it for? Like, okay. what man is really going to benefit from this series? Okay. Well, the women's series, we focus specifically on sexual abuse because we know a minimum of one in three women will be sexually abused by the time she's 18 years old. And so that means one in three women. So I felt like we really needed to hit that subject head on. With men, the numbers of sexual abuse, you know, it goes, we don't really know because men want to talk about it even less than women do, but about one in four, probably they estimate. And, uh, so it's it's obviously a lot of men are carrying some of the same wounds from being sexually molested as boys that women are. But we broadened it for men to also include physical abuse, the trauma of that as a child. Maybe it's from a parent or maybe a bully or something where you were felt made to feel less than physically. Uh, and then emotional abuse, um, you know, not having your emotional needs met of nurturing or maybe actually being yelled at and cursed at and, you know, those kinds of things that, and we internalize these messages. So when you take sexual abuse, if it's say one in four men, and then you say, well, how many guys really as little boys really were physically abused? And then you say, well, how many were really emotion abused? I mean, you put those numbers together and it is, we've got a, a mess in, yeah. in men. And we know. It's going to be a majority, right? And I believe that most of it is rooted right there in that, child, those childhood experiences that, that form our way of how we see ourselves, how we see others and how we see God. And they hinder us as men, as husbands, as fathers, as just men being able to understand relationships. And so 
uh, as we broaden that out, I was just really excited about doing that because I have a plethora of different men on the series. Some of them were sexually molested, like Max. Some of them speak of their physical abuse as a boy and how that impacted them in their self-image and shame. And then some that were just emotional. So I think there's something on there for every single man because we live in a fallen world. None of us gets out of this place without taking some hits. And those most impactful hits are the ones that happen when we are a vulnerable child. One of the presenters on the series made this statement that I thought was so insightful. He said, it's hard for men to talk about what happened to them as boys because we look at that little boy, say eight years old, but we look at him not through the eyes of a boy. We look at him through the eyes of a man that's the age we are now. And we go, it's hard for us to admit that we were weak. It's hard to us to admit that we couldn't protect ourselves because I can now, you know, you, you wouldn't dare attempt to do this now. But what he said was, but you weren't able to protect yourself then. So you need to let that, that little boy have his moment for the healing experience. And I just thought that was so insightful. Uh, yeah. So let me ask you this because you've been a pastor for decades Right. Yeah, so 40 years. <laughs> yeah. Can you share? Because let's just be honest, this isn't uh, this isn't necessarily an area that every pastor gets so, so passionate about that they start creating a video series on. <laughs> can you talk about how how God really moved in your heart to say not only mm-hmm. do with the women's series, but now with the men is saying we've got to do something about this. How did you as a pastor really start to get engaged and, and passionate about this? Well, because I'm a trauma survivor myself. Uh, I was raised in the late 60s. I was a teenager in the late 60s, early 70s. I came to Christ off the streets, out of the drug culture of the late 60s and 70s. My mother's Jehovah's Witness. My dad was a town drunk. So there was no spiritual input into my life. So I was doing everything that the 60s was providing, you know, and that the new movement, the Jesus revolution, I was saved at the tail end of the Jesus movement. We always called it the Jesus movement. And it was a Damascus Road type of experience. Six months later, my dad died. He was 41 of alcoholism. I did his funeral. And then I went off to college to win the world for Jesus. You know, uh, and nobody told me that there might be some issues that I'm going to have to face one of these days. But when I got into my mid thirties, in fact, I had already started the church that I I'm the founding pastor. We started in 1984, 39 years ago. And man, this stuff started coming up and I didn't know what it was. Long story short, as I began to address those emotional wounds in me, part of my, a big part of my healing was just talking about it from the pulpit. I mean, I did other things. I had somebody that really walked me through a, a, you know, a process, but, but a big part of it was just you saying to my church, you know what, folks? I'm sick and, you know, I'm angry. I got cheated out of a childhood and, and I hated my father and I didn't even know I did. I thought I was ambivalent toward him, but I began to realize and I had to forgive him. And I don't know how to do that. I can preach about forgiveness, but I said, you know, I don't know how to forgive this guy. And boy, when I started talking about that, Jonathan, people started coming up to me, people I knew well afterwards and said, thank you, James. And they would tell me their story. And I went, wow, that, what I, was doing without even realizing it. I was making it a safe place for people to be honest. And I was basically, I was in survival mode. (laughs) You know, I was either going to have to get through this and get this poison out, 
or I wasn't going to make it. And out of that desperation that was in me, it opened the door. And so in 1992 is when I started doing that. We started transitioning into what we call a hospital style of ministry where people can talk about the truth about what's going on. And we're going to figure out in the context of the body with the one another process of the New Testament, we're going to experience help, hope and healing together in the context of the body. Early on, sexual abuse with women was one of those things that kind of began to pop to the surface. And so, I mean, we were into that real quick. Fast forward 20 something, 28, 29 years. Uh, I realized that, that churches needed a safe tool to start this conversation for women. Because if we don't ever start the conversation, then women are not going to be able to move into healing. And I so I created the Fearless Series for Women, for, designed it specifically for the local church by a pastor. My heart is in the local church. I've given my entire adult life to serving the local church. And so I designed it for the local church. And churches that implement it are able to, and they begin to discover, yes, we can do this ministry to one another. The church doesn't have to just job this out to the professional counseling community. We should be the tip of the spear. I thank God for the professional Christian counseling community. But what we've done historically in the modern church is we've just said, okay, you're sick. We're going to send you out. You know, without even doing anything here in the body that we're going to start this process here. And if you need that extra, then great. We have that relationship with those people. But the church has got to be a place of help, hope, and healing. So that's that's how at the end of my pastoral ministry here in this church, which I have retired from now, uh, I raised up my replacement. And now what I'm doing the rest of my life is about sexual abuse and trauma, which wasn't what I expected to do in my later years, but right. that's what it's turned into. So you mentioned a word that um, I think is really at the heart of what you're trying to get at in this series. Um, and that is the word trauma. Now yes. you, you've also said the word abuse. And I think um, you know, abuse is one of those words that I think can get interpreted and translated in a lot of different ways. I mean, there's okay. a clinical aspect to that. There's a whole other way. I think sometimes that's a term almost like love that just gets it gets diluted because it's used in so many contexts. But let's talk about that word trauma. What does that mean and why is that significant to what you've put into this fearless series? OK, um, I use the word in the series, although I know technically from a clinical perspective, trauma and abuse are not synonymous terms. They're kissing cousins. OK, but I'm not trying to teach a class in clinical psychology. So I'm using vernacular that your average individual can relate to here. So we're using trauma and abuse interchangeably here. Um, but to speak just purely of trauma, as I've understood it over 30 years of working with trauma victims and now professionals that, that are on the series that have educated me more, is, well, even as John uh, Fort from Be Broken, who's on the series, said, I love the way he said it, trauma is anything that causes, that impacts the way we see the world. That it, it, it is so out of the norm that it impacts how we see the world, how we see ourselves and how we see God. That would be a trauma because it, it redirects from where you would have gone. And once again, I don't know how clinically accurate that is, but I think that gets right for the lay person, that gets right at the heart of, a man can go, 
wow, I never would have thought I was traumatized. But after those experiences, I did start thinking differently. I did start believing things that I know are not true now, but I don't know how to re so to give them a, a working layman's definition. Okay. Cause I'm not a clinical psychologist. I'm not a counselor. I'm a pastor. So I'm kind of, I've gotten my education on the streets, if you will, <laughs> in the lives of, of people. And so that's what we mean by trauma. And that's why we use trauma and abuse interchangeably in the series. And, yeah. uh, can you talk through just kind of what you're trying to focus on through the series and, and what are some of the, the the topics that you're really trying to bring up so that men can sort of come out into the light and, and deal with these issues, honestly? Okay. Well, we're, we're dealing in the men's series, we're dealing with the three kinds of trauma, sexual trauma when you were a boy or physical, if you felt you were physically abused and what that means. And we define that there. And then emotional abuse. And because all of those, you know, all of those can reach, can take us to the same place. Because as I understand it, the brain doesn't really understand what kind of uh, traumatic experience it is. It just understands that there's something happened and changes started happening in the brain. And it, it does seem often with men that when we start looking for something to make us feel better or we start looking for some kind of escape with many men, it winds up having something to do with sexuality. It has mm -hmm. to do with pornography or masturbation or those things that men can become, you know, it, I don't know if we're using sexual addiction as much anymore, but unwanted sexually compulsive behaviors that right. men get caught up in and they become destructive and uh, reinforce, you know, shame. So it's funny, Sam Black, uh, on the series, who is with Covenant Eyes, uh, Sam was not sexually abused, but Sam was physically abused. And he tells that story. But it resulted in Sam turning to sexual things at one time in his life that, that captured him. And then you talk about one of the other guys who was sexually abused, and it resulted in pornography and sexual. So Sam and they all got the same place. Mm -hmm. they, just a different road took them yeah. there. And so I think it's something, you know, they tell us about seven out of 10 men sitting in the average church on Sunday morning is struggling with pornography at some level. Mm. Now, part of that's because we're visual. Part of that is because we live in a very sexualized culture. Part of that is because those images are things that we're drawn to naturally just as God wired us up and it's so accessible to us. But at the root of so much of that is experience early on when we were vulnerable that set us up for looking for something that's going to bring that temporary sense of medication or, or release. And again, that's why so often seven out of 10 men sitting in our churches are struggling with pornography at some level. Mm -hmm. And that's an astounding statistic when you think about it, because that's about the same as it is in the unbelieving world. Right. <laughs> so we better be, we better be addressing this issue. I, you know, it's funny. I say this to pastors. I say, you know, if you knew that seven out of 10 men in your church were struggling with alcoholism, do you think you would do something about that? I bet you they would. Mm -hmm. And when I say, well, seven out of men and you're sitting in your church are struggling with pornography. Are y'all going to do anything about this? 
<laughs> right, right, exactly. So talk a little bit about, um, you know, one of the things I think that we know that can come out of trauma as a result is then you talk about how, you know, trauma can be this thing that shifts then how you see the world or how you start to respond to life. And one of those grids that I think that ends up being a lens that you see life through after there's been trauma is the lens of shame. Yeah. Can you talk about what shame is and how much it's connected to trauma and really how, how is that needing to be addressed in a man's life? You know, every one of the guys, in fact, the uh, third video in the series, there's five videos. The third video is completely devoted to shame, an entire video to that one simple subject. And one of the things that all of the men talked about was that when we experience those uh, experiences that make us reorient our thinking, immediately shame attaches itself. And shame, as you well know, is not related to something I've done. That's guilt. I've done something, so I feel guilty about it. Shame is related to just who I believe I am. You know, and I, Troy Haas, I think uh, Troy's a former missionary and he runs Hope Quest. Yeah, you know, Troy's one of the presenters. And Troy said, shame tells me I am uniquely screwed up. And I love that way of, of taking just I'm just uniquely screwed up. Now, you might, the guy might say, well, you know, everybody's screwed up. No, I am uniquely screwed up. You know, there's no hope for me. I am who I am and that's who I'm going to be. That's what shame tells you. And that's one of those, that's why shame is so important in when we're dealing with recovery from childhood experiences that were harmful is because as long as you feel that you are less than, you will act less than. And, you know, I, I think one of the things that we hear a lot in our culture is how men feel unvalued. Men feel uh, that they can never measure up. They can't measure up in their career. They can't measure up as a father. They can't measure up as a husband. That's that's rooted in shame. That says you can't because you're incapable of doing that because of what happened to you or what you've done or whatever. That's the lie of shame. And, you know, in my ministry with men and women both, uh, in 30 years of doing that kind of work in my church, when people get past shame, the sky's the limit because shame's the killer. It is, it is like that continental divide. And, you know, here's the thing that is so amazing about why this kind of series is so important for churches to get men together talking is because the only way to get past shame is to talk about your experience. But shame says you can't talk about your experience because they will reject you. Yeah, it's a catch-22, so right? Yeah. Yeah, we get into the cycle. Shame says if they really knew everything about you, they would love you, so you can't let them know. But the only way for you to get past shame is to let them know. Mm-hmm. And so we get caught in this circle of fear. And that's why I love to see when men get together in these small groups and they, they just say, okay, guys, we're just going to drop it all and we're going to get honest here, just like these guys on the video did. And they start telling those shameful things they feel about themselves. And then they see the grace reflected back from the other men because the other men feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So let me ask you then, um, what does what does the healing journey look like? Because, you know, I think everybody that's been listening, all the guys are being like, 
okay, I can, I, I can kind of understand that trauma. I certainly understand what shame feels like, but you know, you know what every guy wants to know. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, how do I get over? How do, how how do I, I, get over? How do I heal? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's the healing look like? Well, there are some certain steps um, that we always have to go through to recover from traumatic experiences. The first one, we have to talk about it. It has to be talked about. And so if we provide a place for men to talk about that, and then we do have to come to deal with those lies oftentimes that we've come to believe. Because if something happens to us, it causes us to reorient how we think about ourselves, about God, and about others, then that means we're buying into some lies. And we start living our life by those lies, such as, I can't be honest because they'll reject me. That's a lie. But we live our life by it, see. So we're going to have to get over that lie, replace it with the truth. Uh, I'm the only one that really struggles with this. That's another lie. I mean, all of these lies that we come to live our lives by that cause us to, um, uh, you know, guard ourselves. We've got to get over those lies because as long as we're living by lies, then we're going to get we're going to get the result of that. So part of this experience is being able. I like the way one guy said, "When I can, when I can tell you what I think, you can reflect back to me why that is a lie, and I get to see it for what it is." As we share stories, I can look and hear you say something, and I, I know that's a lie. And so I can reflect back. I can kind of like be a mirror for you to say, you know why that's not true? And so we do that for one another. That's the healing process, a part of the, so the lies. Um, ultimately, most of us have to deal with some of the bad things that we've done as a result of the bad thing that was done to us. Because out of trauma, we develop behaviors that themselves then become things that eventually I'm going to have to deal with the reality that I've done some bad things as a result of that. Uh, and I'm going to have to be able to forgive myself. I'm going to have to be able to make amends. And then we come to the point where we have to forgive our abuser. You know, I had to forgive my father for cheating me out of childhood because I didn't have one. We didn't do Christmas. We didn't do birthdays. It was survival. And he was 15 years dead. And I had to figure out, how do you forgive someone who's not worthy of forgiveness, can't ask for forgiveness? What does forgiveness look like in that environment? So we come to that point of forgiveness. So shame, forgiveness, the lies that we believe, and that I love the biblical process of the one another's. That's where we bear one another's burdens. Uh, we encourage one another. We support one another. In our church now, we offer about 30 different types of groups. The one another groups is what we call them. Using good biblically based material to get people in a room and week after week, let them build these, this community of support and care. And it's powerful. It's yeah. incredible what happens. So let's talk about that for just a little bit um, as we kind of near the end of our, our time here together. I know I talk a about a lot. <laughs> no, no, that's good. You, you mentioned it a little bit before, but why is it so important that the local church be the environment in which this healing takes place? Okay. Well, for two reasons, because it impacts the sanctification process. I'm a, I'm somewhat of a, a an exit biblical exegete. I love God's word. And, and so, you know, 
I, I believe that we have been called to the ministry of reconciliation. We've been reconciled to God in Christ, and we're to carry that message. But we've also been called to the ministry of re- restoration, restoring one another. And dealing with childhood trauma, dealing with those things, those lies, dealing with those issues of anger and unforgiveness, that's part of the sanctification process. That's pure discipleship. So if we are in the church addressing scripture memory, prayer, fellowship, evangelism, which is part of the discipleship, but we're not addressing that hurt and that wound that has caused you to harbor that resentment and that anger. If we're not addressing that, we're not fully discipling one another. Mm-hmm. So this isn't just psychobabble. This is a part of the biblical process of discipleship. Because when God's people get free from those those things, those lies and that stuff, man, they begin to blossom in their relationships horizontally, but also in the relationship vertically. That's what we discovered for 30 years in the hospital churches. People come in and when they start getting all that junk taken off their shoulders, boy, they just they flourish in their spirituality. They flourish in their walk with Christ and and assuming their role in the context of the church. So that's why the church has got to be involved in this. And and I hear people say, well, what tools do we have? And I always love to come back with this one. I go, well, we have the word of God for one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have the truth of healing in the word of God. We have the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Do we really believe that or not? And thirdly, we have the community of faith. We have, we can one another this thing. You know, if I go to see a counselor, I can't call my counselor anytime, night or day. But I can call my brother who knows my struggle and I know his struggle. And we can do this together. And that's body life. So it changes. You know, when a church does this kind of thing, it changes the whole culture of the church. Because when we worship in this environment, we know one another. We're not just a bunch of people pulling up in the parking lot, hadn't seen each other, hadn't talked, don't really know each other. We're just singing Jesus. But when you've, over the years, you've been in this kind of walk with others and they know everything about you and you know, when you worship the Lord together, it's a different spirit. There's a different atmosphere that takes place. So where can, uh, where can our listeners go to get more information about the fearless series and uh, the work that you're doing? Okay. We're creating one website where the women's series is there and the men's series is there. It's fearlessresources.org. Fearlessresources.org. And on the landing page, if you want to interested in the women's, you click that. Interested in the men's, click that. Uh, by the time this airs, the men's, all of the written material will be finished and it'll be fully going. But uh, so it's fearlessresources.org. Yeah. And I, I have some other things on there, training for training facilitators of these small groups so that they'll understand how to lead a group like this and that kind of thing. Yeah, and we'll be sure to have all those uh, that link and everything in the in the uh, show notes for uh, folks to be able to get to that. But James, I really appreciate the work that you've been doing in this field and just how God has brought your story to this point where you are able to to really help others in this way. And so, thank you for being so passionate about this and uh, for creating these resources and for being on the program today. Really appreciate it. Well, I always tell people, you know, being a pastor, it's dangerous work. I mean, I gave an eye to it, you know. (laughs) 
Yeah, God bless you, Jonathan. Thank you for what you do. And thank you for giving me a, a platform to talk about this. Absolutely. Well, listeners, like I said, we're going to put the, the, the fearlessresources.org uh, link in the show notes. Please check it out. Um, men, take that step of courage. Uh, we, we need to take those uh, healthy risks in order to get well. And we need that kind of community. And, and Dr. Reeves here has done a great job of creating a resource that can help you with your church to be able to go through this. So take that step. We're glad that you've been with us and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.